We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the big sky conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs at the Club, the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dallas Hammer, joined today by the one, the only, Professor Brian Marceau. Brian, how are you doing? Dude, the the conference season opens this week, man. We're almost, we're, we're on our fourth week. After this week, we're a third of the way through the season, dude. So I'm stoked, but Jesus, this goes by fast. Brian leading us into veggie talk, just like always. Coming to you from the shadows, the freshly shaven producer seducer, last but not least, Martin Heemstra. Martin, how's it going, man? It is going good. It, today was my Friday at work this week, so I am ha- I am excited and ready for a nice long five-day vacation soon. Ooh, five-day vacation. Maybe we're going to hear a little bit more about what you're doing a little later on in the show. But before we get to that, and before we get to Around the Bar, curveball right off the top of the show, let's kick it to Brian for the Marceau Minute. Brian, you did not get a chance to react to the first win of the Jason Eck era. Give me 30, 60, 90, 120. I don't know. Go as long as you want. Tell me what you thought about Eck's first win against the dreaded Drake Bulldogs. Obviously a slow start. This is the only Idaho game against an FCS team where like we won 40, we won 42, 14 result was not really in doubt after the first quarter. And weirdly it was underwhelming, which one it is great to have a 42 to 14 win feel underwhelming. Never thought I'd be saying that talking about Idaho. Uh, but other, other than that, look, we'll talk about Anthony Woods. He, he looks like he's the real deal. Another, this is just a wild big sky thing. A lot of, just with coaching changes, different guys get different opportunities and produce uh, guys like Michael Graves, who was not on anyone's radar to be a big player this season. He is Jermaine Jackson, not on anyone's radar to be the number number one target. Well, again, we're three weeks in. He's clearly Idaho's top receiver at this point. Uh, wild to see those. Wild to see how Idaho has some guys stepping up. Um, also, pretty wild to me that we're heading into NAU spoiler alert Idaho Vegas has Idaho as a narrow favorite already on the road how long has it been since Idaho was a favorite anywhere on the road and that's after two good road showings this season so uh, I mean big picture look we beat the shit out of Drake we needed to beat the shit out of Drake so uh, Idaho did what they needed to uh, I guarantee Jason X gonna have some things they need to coach up which hey that it honestly so we can quit getting to me talking about last week. It might be a good thing that Idaho had a couple things that did not work out as well last week in a win uh, to get addressed and tune up heading into conference season instead of just kind of gliding in. And then, you know, maybe some of the knots that need to be untied are still there. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with, uh, with the, just the, the need to clean some things up. If you're listening to us live, uh, we thank you. If you are wanting to hear more about our Drake Bulldogs and the first win of the Eck era. Producer Martin and I actually reacted to that last week, just shortly after the game. If you're listening on podcast services, you can find it. It's just the episode before this one. If you're on YouTube, it's pretty easy to find it. We're not going to talk any more about that. We've already covered it. It's time to look forward. Time to look towards NAU. This is Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. I'm going to set the scene very quickly about NAU, and I'm going to kick it to Brian to take this wherever you want to go. Just a quick recap of NAU for the folks. NAU so far, one and two on the season. Their lone win is over Sam Houston, uh, who's transitioning from the FCS to the FBS. Uh, they had a close loss to North Dakota last week. Uh, lost it actually just in the, the final possessions. Uh, less than a minute left, and they blew that one. Uh, and then they got shellacked by Herm Edwards uh, and the Arizona State Sun Devils, 40-3, to just before Herm Edwards put in such a poor performance he got fired so that's what nau season has looked like looked like either uh, coached by chris ball in his fourth season he's 13 and 18 overall 9 and 12 in the big sky conference but maybe most importantly he's two and one against idaho in his time there uh, their offense is 11 personnel uh so that means that they have one tight end one running back three receivers uh that's pretty much what they do they're they're trying to air it out now uh they did bring back nine starters on their offense this year so their offense 
from last year. Pretty much the same guys. We'll get into that. Their defense is kind of a weird multiple hybrid scheme. They're kind of a 3-3-5 and a 4-2-5. Uh, they have the their, their edge rusher also stands up at linebacker at times. So really weird defensive thing. But again, Chris Ball is a defensive guy. He does he does weird things. Uh, they brought back six returners from from that team that uh, went five uh, got five wins last year. So a lot of the same guys we saw in the last few years. But Brian, what what do you want to talk about first about the the dreaded NAU Lumberjacks? Look, the takeaway for NAU for me is three weeks into this season. I mean, maybe throughout the week one against Arizona State, they just got their asses kicked. Northern Arizona's look surprisingly strong on the defensive side of the ball. Look, this is the same Northern Arizona team that back in 2019, Mason Petrino threw like around 600 yards, over 600 yards against. This is the same the, NAU team. The infamous haters going to hate game, which Tubbs of the Club also famously sold t-shirts for. Anyways, sorry for filibustering you there, Brian. That's cool, man. Uh, you guys want to talk about our merch? We can talk about our merch. So look, NAU for years, and even last, in 2021, NAU, depending on what, passing defense that you looked at they were either bottom two in the big sky or worst in the nation like pass defense efficiency early in the season team looks a lot stronger defensively the 10-3 win over sam houston state's a big one but like a little asterisk here sam houston state is reputationally a really strong fcs team sagrin has them as number 158 in the big sky they have sagrin has sam houston at 158 overall if that's in the big sky that would be just above NAU at 159 and just below Idaho at 135. So that win maybe not quite as big a deal as we thought. But then Northern Arizona looked pretty damn solid against North Dakota from Missouri Valley this last week. RJ Martinez finally got him, put him, gave himself a game that he had not had uh, early in the season. So I guess the, the broad takeaway for me on NAU. They're a lot more solid than I thought when we did like our preview episode of the season where they looked like, hey, they might be able to score okay, but they're a dumpster fire defensively. Honestly, they're a little bit in inverse right now. And that's, uh, you, you mentioned RJ Martinez, the 21, 2021 Big Sky Conference Freshman of the Year. Uh, honestly, one of the top returning quarterbacks in the Big Sky because most teams have a brand new quarterback this year. Uh, he Last year, his numbers were pretty good, 17, 13 yards 14 touchdowns, two interceptions, 62% completion percentage, but only made 220 throws in those seven games that he did start. This year in three games, he's already thrown the ball 116 times, so they are asking him to open it up a whole lot more. Uh, he's completing 67% of his passes, which is is nice. Uh, you'd love to see that, but he's got 630 yards, two touchdowns, and four picks. He did throw a couple of those picks against Arizona State, so you'd expect an FCS quarterback that's very young to look pretty bad against a an FBS school most of the time. Uh, but offensively, Kevin Daniels is kind of the most important player on that offense. He's their running back, but he actually got injured last week. He put up over a thousand yards last year, seven touchdowns, all big sky second team. And then he got hurt last week. Uh, he's got 113 yards and a touchdown so far this year. But again, he did get hurt. Uh, junior George Robinson ended up filling in for him after that. And that dude's got 21 carries for 37 yards. So the the belief that NAU was going to score and not just not be able to stop anybody, that's been the exact opposite uh, this year. Their defense has looked great. Their offense was already not performing particularly well. And then their best player just got hurt. They do have a uh, redshirt senior receiver, Stacey Chukwumizi. Really hoping I pronounced that correctly. The dude's last name Chuck is Wimenzi. awful. Perfect. We'll go with that. Uh, I'm just going to call him Stacy from this point on. Uh, probably their best receiver. He has not played this year. He actually only played a couple of games last fall. Got hurt. Is still recovering from that. Uh, they have a bunch of other receivers that have a couple different like honorable mention in the Big Sky numbers. They have they have some decent players, but they're you know, missing their biggest receiver. So the, their offense is going to be a big question mark for for Idaho this week. Uh if Stacy Chukwumizi, however that was pronounced, if he comes back, Brian, do you think Marcus Harris is going to lock him down or is this game going to look a little bit more along the lines of what NAU has done to Idaho in the past, putting up 50 points? Well NAU didn't put up 50 points last season last season against Idaho. 
didn't, NAU didn't put up 50 points in the in the spring season either. However, like look, point taken, of Idaho's lost a few against NAU. We clearly <laughs> Vandals clearly should not have lost those games. Look, another anomaly too for NAU, they outgained North Dakota by about 140 yards and still found a way to lose the game. But narrowly to your receiver question, I don't think a single receiver on NAU is going to be what makes the difference in this game because NAU spreads the ball out a decent amount. They have three receivers this right now with receptions between 15 catches and 20 catches. So Chuck Menzi, he's certainly an all, he's an all big sky talent, but I mean, RJ Martinez would have to be you know productive at a level. He hasn't really been this season. Again, he's, he's had two FCS games between those two. He's averaging about 300 yards per game. He's at two touchdowns, two picks. Um, I think he's better than, than that output right now. But um, I guess to me, the, the part, the part that if I'm a vandal and I'm concerned about Idaho losing this game, cause I am, um, NAU has been solid defensively and look, we, we just talked about offensive struggles, 13 points in the first eight quarters. They did start to put it together a little bit against a relatively solid team, North Dakota last week. And Idaho has, I mean, look, Idaho last week show, showed a couple areas where they can be exploited, uh, struggled early in the rush against and against Drake, which is a surprise. We'll get to something that might change that. Uh, but also if NAU has been relatively strong, uh, defensively, look, Idaho really struggled in third down situations against Drake. And I got to tell you, NAU's de- defensively is going to be better than the Drake Bulldogs. Absolutely. And it's all going to start up front for them. They have three different brothers uh, headlining their defensive line, the K Weddy brothers. Uh, for those who follow the FBS, you might be recognizing that name. Uh, one of the two brothers, uh, there's there's three brothers, two twins, and then a younger brother. One of the twins, uh, Cosmos Kwedi, actually played at Wazoo in 2019. Ended up, I think he had 20 or 25 tackles. He actually, he played a decent amount. He was one of the biggest recruits that Wazoo's ever had, actually. And then ended up deciding to transfer back to, to play with his twin brother at NAU. So Cosmos, uh, defensive end. His brother Eloy is the other defensive end. Uh, Eloy is the one who is probably the one to watch out for. Uh, he had 45 tackles last year, 11 and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, uh, played really well in 2021. He's, I think, fifth on the team in tackles so far in 2022. Cosmos doesn't quite have the statistical breakdown, but it's because Cosmos is also the guy who who flips out and plays linebacker a little bit. So, again, that weird 3-3-5-4-2-5 system where the guys sometimes hand down, sometimes hand up, who you know, just moving all over the field. Uh, and then their little brother is a redshirt freshman, Richard. He's just a backup for the two of them, but still, those are the guys that stir the drink for their defensive line. Uh, they do have a couple interior linemen that don't put up a bunch of big numbers because they're interior offensive linemen, but the two of them combined are well over 600 pounds. So a whole bunch of size up front for them. Uh, and then there are two linebackers, uh, Heston Lametta and Jossie Wilson. Uh, neither of those guys came into the year with particular accolades or really any playing time at NAU mostly guys that had just been deep reserves in the previous years, but the two of them leading the team in tackles with 26 and 21 respectively. Uh, their front seven realistically is is kind of the scary part of their team, uh, especially because there's not a whole lot of two, of seniors in the two deep, especially on the D-line. They have one senior in the two deep. Almost everybody's a junior, sophomore, or a freshman. So uh, a team that's probably going to give Idaho fits over the next couple of years as they do have a bunch of young young talent on that defense. The promising thing for Idaho so far, relative to what you talked about, though, is Idaho has been effective defensively at forcing turnovers. That is not really the case for NAU. NAU forced two turnovers against Sam Houston. That was part of what kept the game 10-3, forced zero turnovers against North Dakota. So, I mean, look, we're Vandals. We can handle that one forced turnover per game. Uh, that would certainly not track with where Idaho's at. And keep in mind, Idaho has certainly played a tougher schedule than NAU. Um, Northern Arizona has actualized this. Uh, Northern Arizona clearly has the better win when you compare head-to-head Idaho-NAU. But, um, you know, the thing that's reassuring for me is against Drake, against Drake, rush defense was the first thing that looked a little bit rough early on. Now, in the second half, things turned around. Name for you guys to pay attention to. It's a new 
new lineman transfer from Snow College. He was an All-American at Snow College, late arrival to Idaho. Tuyumi Iono, number 99, six foot, 325 pounds. Dude is essentially looked immovable against Drake. Uh, had a clear foot, clear impact on the game from the moment he started taking more snaps in the second half. Uh, you have to expect the coaching, if we can figure that out, Tubbs at the club, uh, Jason Eck and Rob Orch have figured that out. And a guy who just got in late is going to start to get more reps. That could also be one of the cures for Idaho's. Look, Idaho's weakness on the line, you'd say, is it was size. We had speed. We have athleticism. Well, this dude is an athlete who had size. And relative to how Idaho has, has been broadly in three games strong defensively, that to me is going to help take care of a little bit of the rush concern. Um, the other is I, I really i am at this point writing off the first quarter as Idaho for some reason was just not up for the Drake game because, you know, guys like Marcus Harris and Jeremiah Salam as well just looked sharper in weeks one and two than weeks three. I mean, honestly, we've been raving on the show about Marcus Harris. He got picked on a little bit in the Drake game. He got it together, but there's definitely a, a few plays where, Harris's guy was the one targeted. Jeremiah Salam, you know, missed missed a sack. He had a couple times he was targeted. That all stabilized. I guess if, if we're going to get the rushing one, our rush defense looks like it. There's re- reason to believe it's better. Plus, NAU has not been able to run the football this season. Plus, NAU's down their best running back. Um, I guess that that is you reference fits that NAU may be giving Idaho. Those are things I'd point to about why like not disagreeing with your point about fits, but also there is a little bit of strength on weakness matchup for Idaho in this game in particular. NAU, I don't see how they run the ball against Idaho. Well, and that's the terrifying thing. If you're an NAU fan or one of the the handful of them out there that are for some reason listening to this podcast, uh, the offensive line of NAU should be a whole lot better than it is when you come, when you talk about running the football, uh, their two guards and their center positions are the ones that are locked in. Uh, Jonas Leader leads the group. I know that was a stupid pun, and I regret saying it the second I did it. Uh, t- spring 2021, he was all Big Sky second team. Fall 21, he was all Big Sky third team. He was on the, the preseason team going into this season. Uh, he started every game for them since 2019 at either right guard or right tackle. He started the first game at right tackle this season and then has moved to right guard. Uh, their center... Uh, Jalen Hooper, he's a redshirt junior. He's been a three-year starter at at the center position. Uh, redshirt senior PJ Putasi is going to start at probably the left guard position, and he's he started most of last year. The interior of their line should be their strength, and they can't run the football. And then their two tackles are just a rotating door of freshmen and sophomores. They kind of have the same thing Idaho has going on. They have a couple of like entrenched, locked-in seniors, and then a bunch of young guys that are kind of just walking in not off the street, but just seems like game to game there. They have a different starting offensive line. So that does, that does add up very well for Idaho, especially when you talk about how good Anthony Woods has looked. Uh, I mean, I mean, no slight against Roshan Johnson. I think Roshan is still a blast. He's been a great vandal and Anthony Woods looks legit and not to, not to curve this away from NAU talk, but Brian, what do you think Anthony Woods could end up doing in this game? Well, Anthony Woods, he's in a timeshare, essentially, with Rashawn Johnson. And Woods has been averaging not quite twice the yards per rush that Rashawn Johnson is, but close to twice. That's a comparison is twice. So against a team like NAU, well, asterisk here, of course, again, is how how real is this is Northern Arizona defensively, you know, against North Dakota. North Dakota's, kind of, you know, they're kind of a rushing oriented team. Uh, not completely, but you know they have a they rushed 25 times against NAU for 112 yards. That's you know 4.5 yards per rush. That's not I mean that's not awful, but you're not, no team's going to write home about saying hey we surrendered 4.5 yards per rush, but that's not getting gashed or anything like that. And then Sam Houston State uh, they averaged 4.1 yards per rush again, not great numbers from the NAU side, but not terrible, uh, but. I mean, look, the announcing team talked about this. If you were watch the game on, on SWX, not in person, Anthony Woods has a way of making it look like he makes someone miss on virtually every single carry. So I expect, 
I expect we're going to continue to have that, you know, slight edge in rushing the ball a little bit more than we pass it. And I expect Anthony Woods, we're, we're kind of seeing his carry ratio go up a little bit each week, not a ton. I expect it's going to be stay in that like 50 to 60% range in comparison, like Roshan Johnson, but no, he's, he's definitely an impact player to look at. Um, thing I wanted to bring up, yank it back now so that we're all over the place. NAU rushing the football in their two FCS games against Sam Houston, 35 rushes for 59 yards. That's 1.7 yards per rush for NAU against North Dakota, 35 rushes for 124 yards. That's 3.5 yards per rush. So even in their best rushing game in the two FCS games we've seen so far, NAU not particularly effective, which you'd expect team like Idaho, who is improved in their, their past defense this season, even though we just talked about those moments against Drake. I mean, you'd have to say that's another way where Idaho probably feels okay heading into this game is NAU for NAU to win. They're probably going to have to pass well. And RJ Martinez has been okay, but he hasn't in the two FCS games. He hasn't looked like the guy he was last season. No, not at all. He, he did look a lot better against uh, North Dakota. He did. He at least had more touchdowns than turnovers, which was the first time uh, in a while, but uh, there you, you, you talk about uh, how poorly NAU has been running the ball. One of the the things that I wanted to point out, Kevin Daniels, before he got hurt, 6.8 yards a carry against North Dakota. So they were looking a little bit better with him in. And then the second he went down and George Robinson stepped in, Robinson had 14 carries for 24 yards. So if Daniels doesn't play, I don't have a whole lot of faith in NAU being able to run the ball against an improving Idaho run defense. So, uh, that's quite nice to see. Um, I think the only other thing from the NAU side, and I'm going to, again, just shift gears here again. Uh, the only other thing from the NAU side we haven't really touched on is their secondary and how well Idaho is going to throw the ball against them. Uh, their secondary is kind of in a weird spot right now. So, they again, they play five DBs. Their axe position, which is you know the kind of the the rover, or every team has their own name for them if they're doing the, the five defensive back system. But uh, former All-Big Sky talent Anthony Sweeney started the first game for them in that fifth defensive back position, got injured, and in, there's no update on his status, but he didn't play in either of the last two games. I would expect he's not going to play against Idaho. So he's been replaced by a sophomore who has eight total tackles this year. So already they're a little bit weak on the, in the corner, corner DB market there. Uh, their other two corners, George Steele transferred in from Jacksonville State. He's got 15 tackles this season, but no pass breakups, no interceptions, nothing like that. Uh, and then Colby Humphrey, he's a sophomore. He does have two pass breakups, but their their corners are certainly not uh, a Marcus Harris level like game changer. Uh, and then you look at uh, their other corner, uh, kind of a depth guy, uh, Alonzo. LJ Davis, I don't know where you get LJ out of Alonzo. If anybody notices that name, it's because he was actually with Southern Utah in 2021, was a spring all-Big Sky second team. So they have a couple guys on the defense that are are decent. They also have Morgan Vest at the safety position, and he's he's got a million different accolades. But I don't... I don't know. I don't know what's going on with NAU's defense. They statistically they they hold teams to a pretty good pretty good amount of points. You'd think you'd be able to win most games, but they have one single turnover uh, or one single interception, I should say. Um, Brian, what do you think about? Is it going to be McCoy or is it going to be Lane? What are you thinking? We see out of the Idaho quarterbacks this week. Oh, it's definitely Giovanni McCoy. He's a starter, but the uh, the playing of of Jack Lane. Look, we had Taryn on last week. We had Taryn on like a month or so before and before the season started, he said, look, X said Lane's going to play four games. And we, we both talked about last week said Lane's going to expect Lane to play. He's going to play. I would expect we're going to see Jack Lane play. I'd expect it's going to be like this last week where Jack Lane against Drake, this was not mop up duty. This was scheduled to make sure the dude got, got some experience. I'd expect that that's exactly, we're going to see that again, but our understanding is the goal is to redshirt Jack Lane. So he's played one game. He's got three left, which means look, McCoy is the McCoy is the under understood starter. Like who against Drake had a bit of a breather. So this is uh look, this is another game where I think Giovanni is going to, 
going to have a good chance to continue to make the case because this is this will be a story for us to follow. Giovanni's a redshirt freshman. McCoy is a true freshman. If they're if Coach Ek and staff are liking Jack Lane enough to be playing him like this with McCoy, no one should assume next season's quarterback starter is understood, even with Giovanni playing pretty well through the first three games of the season. So I guess, look, watch that we're still going to have two quarterbacks play, but it's not precisely a two-quarterback system because Lane, you know, Lane had, what, four drives against Drake, something like that, two drives in the first half. Then he didn't come back in until mop-up duty. Um, but this will be another chance for Giovanni to have some moments for him to make the case. I mean, we, we, we've seen him in moments look better. And I got to say against Drake, he should have looked better, but a little bit of the concerns from the first two weeks about, Hey, we have a drive in the first quarter, then nothing happens until late in the fourth. That was obviously a non-issue. So I expect, I expect this week, you know, we're going to see a little bit more, not, not completely the guy we saw against Drake because NAU is better than Drake, but closer from Giovanni, what we saw against Drake than what we saw weeks one and week two. I would, I would, I would expect the same. Uh, the one thing you'd hope for is, and, and we've talked about it a little bit, and we've uh, Martin and I talked about it on the other show. Three for fourteen for Idaho last week on third down. That is, so that is a really concerning number, um, especially for a quarterback that obviously there is a maybe not a competition, but there is obviously a play here to get Jack Lane four games to preserve his red shirt, give him enough time. It's kind of a glacial competition. That's exactly what it is. This is feels like this is setting up the quarterback competition in 2023. Uh, but you don't want to be the guy that's leading the team to three of 14 on fourth down against a vastly inferior, vastly inferior opponents. Sorry, it's late. Oof. So I would expect to see Idaho's offense run. Maybe they're not going to put up the same amount of points they did against Drake. I'd love it if they did. I, I don't expect that. But I do expect Idaho to sustain drives a little bit longer and not have to rely on converting fourth downs to to keep to keep the ball rolling. So, Hey, about what you said about needing to convert on fourth downs, we got to talk a little bit about the Thomas Ford and the special teams, special teams coordinator Thomas Ford and his special teams players absolutely beat the shit out of drake fantastic showing field goal uh, uh four field goals block punt and a punt re- return for a touchdown that's that special team's footprint is honestly what some of the best big sky teams do like uh montana reliably gets points defensively in special teams weber state absolutely the same thing the asterisk though is even though ricardo chavez as a field goal kicker looks like a pro to me in terms of the confidence i have when chavez steps up Idaho can't be kicking four field goals against NAU. We have look that number can maybe be one or two, but if we're getting that close, we just can't have the third down conversions like that that make us make Idaho believe we need to settle for for the field goals. Because sure, against Drake, that's okay, but we look if you haven't figured out as listener that Northern Arizona is clearly a solid Big Sky team at this point. Uh, I don't know what what else to say because uh, this is a game where Idaho certainly has some margin for for error, not like the Washington State game. But if Idaho is going to struggle on third downs like we did against Drake, a clearly inferior team compared to NAU, uh, that's one of the ways Idaho shoots itself in the foot. And we start to see a game maybe get away from Idaho in a way that on paper, I don't think anyone should expect it will. No, and and you kind of alluded to it there a little bit. NAU historically is uh, is kind of the team that everybody judges themselves against. If you're better than NAU, you've got a shot at the playoffs. If you're worse than NAU, you're fucked and you're not going anywhere. Uh, is this is this going to be the same kind of thing, Brian? If Idaho gets a win this week, can we can we think this is a team that's going to contend for playoffs? We're in the run of what I believe is the most important stretch for Idaho in the season. It's the first three weeks of absolutely winnable games, games Idaho should be favored in beat the shit out of Drake. Got one. We're favored against NAU right now, depending on where you look at by as high as minus three that I've seen, which Hey, for a road game relative to what Idaho is, that's not bad. And then Idaho has Northern Colorado for homecoming next week. If Idaho can go three and zero in those games, suddenly we just have to pick off. We have to win the games. We shouldn't pick off a questionable game or two. And the playoffs are realistic, but if but if we're in the easier part of our schedule right now, 
we don't have room to lose games. Cause look, if, if Idaho is going to lose to a team like NAU, then suddenly you look at that UC Davis and Eastern back-to-back weeks later in the season. And if Idaho can handle a solid team like NAU, you can understand where further momentum might lead us to be at a point that we can beat an Eastern and, or a UC Davis. But if, if we can't put these okay teams away, then we can't separate to be at, at, at least the top of that second tier in the conference, which if Idaho's contending in the playoffs, the only place to be is the top of that second tier. Absolutely. And it, and it starts with, with beating NAU and not just squeaking past NAU, but putting it on NAU. Uh, we'll, we'll get into score predictions and we'll get into to actually breaking down the game here in just a second. But this, this is really the, like the hinge point here of, Obviously, we're in year one of, of a quote-unquote rebuild or even a retooling, if that's what you want to call it. I would say most Vandal fans at this point, uh, at least the ones that are paying attention uh, and and diehards like, like all of our listeners here, I would think everybody's probably pretty high on Jason Eck and how things are going so far. But typically, when you bring a new coach in, you're expected to lose a bunch of games. Uh, we're actually we're going to get into that uh, when we get into Big Sky Pick'em. Uh, you're not Colorado's- talking about Idaho State, are you? Oh boy! See, that's that was kind of where I was headed. Uh, that actually, the the Super Bowl of the Big Sky this weekend, uh, featuring a couple of young coaches that are known for losing a bunch of games. Uh, so, with that said, if Idaho loses this game, it's not doom and gloom. Like again, this is a rebuilding team. Getting to the playoffs in year one is is crazy talk. It'd be incredible, and there's definitely a shot that it happens, but. It, it, this feels like the game that I'm already starting to talk myself into tempering expectations because historically in the big sky, since they came back and I know it was with Petrino, Idaho doesn't win games on the road. Idaho doesn't win the games that it looks like they should be competitive in. I'm stealing myself for disappointment, Brian. Tell me why I'm right or why I'm wrong. At least you're consistent, too, because in our preseason episode, you picked this as a game for Idaho to lose, which, look, that's not written in blood. We have evidence about things changing. We'll get to that. Uh, Reasons to be confident about Idaho are, first, in three games, this is not an Idaho team that is is just face-planting games away or face-planting its way out of being competitive. Uh, Of course, we've had some penalties that that mattered. Uh, Jeremiah... Jeremiah Jackson had a personal foul against Drake, absolutely hurt. But Idaho, the character of a team, personality personality of a team, this is a team that fights. This is a team that's frisky. And even if you look at Drake, we struggled. Idaho struggled early. It was for a quarter. Like people were anxious because attendance wasn't quite what we all wanted, wanted it to be. And because Vandals have real PTSD. But look, the team struggled for a quarter, and then it was all Idaho after you know the first Drake drive of the second quarter. That's three quarters of getting together after a slow start. So the first thing I'd say is the character of this team is I don't think they're going to beat themselves at least as aggressively, hashtag only tubs, as previous teams for Idaho have done. Uh, you know, second, the defensive improvements are real. Even when we struck, like we struggled against Drake early. Those things got corrected. The, the rush defense was much better. We, we referenced Iono as impactful in the rush defense, but we saw the rush defense essentially fix itself after struggling with Drake's O-line early. And look, the past, the past defense has been solid for what we've played 12 quarters. It's been solid for 11 or 10 and a half. Take away the Indiana third quarter and the first quarter against Drake. Uh, so defensively, that's a lot of good quarters. And on the offensive end, look, Giovanni has been steady. Giovanni is certainly not making uh, not making as many mistakes as you might expect a redshirt freshman to make relative to how much he's played. I mean, look, if you look at um, Giovanni McCoy, five touchdown passes to two two turnovers, 65% completion percentage, you know, completing run about two out of every three passes plus not throwing picks. Honestly, it's just getting – a little bit of the probably a little bit of the play calling stabilized. I thought I'd have looked a little bit more aggressive in the second half against Drake and both both rushing and passing. But you, know, you look through you look through through Idaho's strengths, and though you're anxious about the game, this is also a game where if Idaho clicks, 
the way we've seen we've seen Idaho click for multiple quarters against good teams. You can also understand a world where Idaho wins us by 14 and we're not the, by the third quarter. We don't really feel anxious. We're getting stoked for for conference season starting at one and zero and having two two of those three early wins that we absolutely need just locked down. Uh, something I want to touch on that you mentioned kind of at the very beginning of the talk is Idaho's pass defense and looking improved and, uh, you know, had a couple rough quarters there, but being improved, I don't know if this number has even fully set into my, to me. I saw this when I was preparing the outline earlier, Idaho's opponents are averaging 186 yards a game through the air. That's against Wazoo with Cam Ward and Eric Morris, who were chucking it around for, 45 points a game in the FCS last year against Indiana, who realistically goes with zero one personnel. They have a tight end, but he realistically plays as a receiver. They basically play four receivers all the time at this point. And then Drake, obviously weaker impo- opponent, but Idaho is holding had Idaho held two power five offenses that throw the ball all over the field to 215. I think with, with Cam Ward and, and the Cougs, under 200 with Indiana. Now, obviously, they both ran the ball right down Idaho's throat, and that's part of the adjustment that was made was run it right down their throat and and chew up the clock that way and and get the ball just moving that way. But a lot different discussion going into Big Sky play than last year where we were talking about is, does Idaho have the worst Big Sky passing defense? That is absolutely not the case. That will absolutely not be the case by the end of this year. So, um I think that's I think it's a pretty good sign for what our predictions are likely to be. Well, so with that, throw one more thing in pass wise because look, maybe my experience of watching the game was different than yours, Dallas. How what do you think the stat line is was of the Drake quarterback? I'm not trying to say the Drake quarterback was fantastic, but he looked pretty good in the first quarter. Overall, sub 50% completion percentage passed for zero touchdowns. Threw a pick, 150 total yards on 21 attempts. So e- look, even with the, again with the struggling early, the guy had a terrible stat line. If Giovanni McCoy has that stat line, our next discussion is like, well, maybe we should have seen more Jack Lane or something like that. But look, that's the, those are some of the kind of lines Idaho is has given up again against it from the past side. So I, I guess that that's part of why I feel pretty pretty okay about this you know jason neck in his press conference heading into the drake game he described idaho as a clearly okay football team those are me paraphrasing but he said idaho has looked like it's made the developmental step from beyond the last couple teams when idaho was clearly a bad football team you might say underperforming but whatever the record was bad he described what some of the differences between okay teams and good teams about you know the ability to handle tough situations, um, you know third down conversions. We didn't change anything there, but also the ability to not beat yourself when games get you know look like they could get out of hand. Um, I think this is the kind of game where if Idaho is going to take that developmental step to like beyond okay, we're gonna that's NAU is a great team to put those train to take those training wheels off. And to you know, take the lessons like I talked about earlier about how maybe it's not bad that Idaho struggled a little bit more early against Drake than you'd expect because the coaches have some more points of emphasis to really hammer in that you know Idaho Idaho can't play exactly that way that we did this last week and expect we're going to handle Northern Arizona, but uh, you know it, it feels I feel comfortable with how Idaho is worst case scenario an okay team we're playing another worst case scenario okay team i feel a little bit better about the talent we we trot out guys we're going to pick the score of the game in just a moment but first let me tell you a little bit about hughes river expeditions if you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation don't look past your backyard venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental united states located right here in the great state of idaho Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway, and you can even check out special trips like one to see the Per Said Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. 
You just bring your clothes and let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976, and they're ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab the paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882. Again, that's 800-262-1882. Or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Martin, producer, seducer, Martin Heemster, jumping back onto the show. Martin, any hot takes to give us about NAU, or do you want to just jump right into picking the score? I got no hot takes. Let's just jump right into predictions. All right. Well, I'm going to throw it to you first since you've been on the bench for the last 40 minutes. Martin, NAU or Idaho, and tell us the score. Wait, we're going NAU Idaho first? Yeah, we're going to do it. Ooh, ooh. I'm going to go 28 21 Idaho. Mr. Marceau. 31 24 Idaho. Guys, I'm going to go with 24-21 Idaho. Uh, if anybody checked out the NAU Sports Show this week, uh, I jumped on uh, with Casey Everett and gave a prediction. I did tell him that I did pick NAU to win this game going into the season, and I told him 24-21. not sure if he understood that I meant Idaho 24-21, but we're all in agreement. Idaho going to win this game. We've got some different comments here. Uh, Nick Weber jumping in. Vandals 31-24. Kurt Borchardt. Vandals 34, NAU 17, Patty Firks 24, 16, Idaho. Looks like everybody is is all on board. Vandals getting the win on the road this weekend in Flagstaff. Uh, Steve Kurtz, 34, 31, Vandals. Taylor Cash, 52, 28, Idaho. Colin Hughes, 30, 20, Colin Hughes, thank you very much. 30, 24, Idaho. We got everybody jumping on the Idaho train this weekend. So let's quickly get into the rest of the big sky. Next big game here, we've got Montana State at Eastern Washington. Martin, I'm going to kick it to you first. I have developed a sort of a hot soft spot for Eastern Washington. It seems weird for me to say that coming from where we were three or four years ago. I have coworkers that have talked me up and said Eastern's going to be good. has made me think Eastern might actually have a chance this year, but it, it's Montana State. They're still going to win comfortably against Eastern Washington. Professor Brian Marceau. I'm going to go, I'm going to say Montana State. And first, I'm going to plug myself, guys. If you want a rundown of every Big Sky game every week, check out the Big Sky Podcast Network Power Ranking Show produced by the show. Uh, it's done pretty archaically. But uh, anyway, if that's the only show I know of that runs through the entire Big Sky. It comes from us. Uh, Montana State has some pretty serious issues in terms of running back health. They're down to about their fifth string running back. Honestly, their top running back is listed as a quarterback he's not going to play quarterback but uh let's montana state have some weird looks as then they have two two guys tommy Milan, sean chambers who can uh run and pass but my real concern here is that eastern washington they cannot defend the run and that's even with injuries that's going to be what montana state leans on gunner talkington for eastern will look much much better than he did against oregon because i mean how could he not he was big sky player of the week week one but I'd say Montana State is going to pick up a win. That's still a real strong team, even with injuries. Yeah, and Eastern, it's tough to project Eastern because, again, they did just go get their teeth kicked in by Oregon, and they're going to get their teeth kicked in by Florida. They have worse body bag games than Idaho did. Uh, but until Montana State proves that they are not one of the top four, three, two teams in, in the country, you have to pick Montana State, even on the road. They're just top to bottom. I think they're a better team than Eastern, and not to not to slight Eastern, but Montana State is a is the cream of the crop along with Montana. It's like that mostly every year. Got to go with Montana State here. So, speaking of the Montanas, we've got top five Portland State taking on the University of Montana. The weird relationship between Bobby Houck and Bruce Barnum is, I'm sure, going to be talked about by a bunch of people, and Dots Pretzels are going to see sales go through the roof this weekend. Martin, who are you going to pick? I have picked this game once right before, back in, I want to say, 2018 or 2019. I cannot remember for the life of me. Uh, I'm sticking with my pick, as always, Portland State. Now, I will never pick Portland State to beat Montana, especially with how the Grizz have handled 
everyone they've played this season, including two Missouri Valley teams, San Diego State transfer quarterback Lucas Johnson. That's who Montana starts. He looks like the perfect Bobby Houck quarterback as a solid passer who's not taking a ton of shots down the field but can also run. Montana's running back room is looking a little more steady than it did last season, plus men's skill position. Montana, Montana's got a lot of guys who could, let's see, be, let's say they might not be the number one receiver on a lot of big sky teams, but they have like four or five guys who'd be their number, the number two, which makes it pretty damn hard to know which weapon's going to get you. And then still look, they have linebacker who might be best in the league, Patrick O'Connell this week's big sky conference defensive player of the week. Uh, there's no way that you can take Portland state over Montana. Dante Sachere is he's, he can't fit tight enough needles. For, for this. And even if you could, it probably doesn't matter. Montana's that good. Yeah. I, I know that Martin will never pick against, uh, against the team playing against Montana. Uh, there's a really drunk way of saying that Martin's not going to pick Montana. Sorry. It's late. Um, Montana is so much more talented than Portland state and Portland state might be fine. They might be a uh, you know, middle of the road. Even if something goes real crazy, they could be a top five program in the in the Big Sky this year. Uh, they have a, a very deep senior laden roster, but not a chance. It's it's Montana. They're going to steamroll these guys. And I've been doing a terrible job hosting here. Uh, all of our our commentators in the the YouTube comments, you know, shout out to Taylor, Patrick, Nick, Kurt, Steve, Colin, the whole gang. Jack Schneider's in there. Jalen Drake's in there. Everybody's kind of falling in the same as us here. Montana State big, Montana big. Uh, I see a couple of different FTG comments in here. Uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be Montana guys. The, there's just this is not the kind of game that Montana's gonna lose. So next up, we go to Sacramento State against Group of Five Colorado State, the one out of conference game this week. Martin, I'm gonna go to you first. Sac State or Colorado State? I. I don't know. I really WSU handled them like a couple like last weekend. Handled handled Colorado State a last weekend. I I think I'm gonna do it. I my pick on record this year is not good. I'm I'm gonna go Sacramento State this year. I think they might. I think they pull it out against bottom of the not bottom Colorado State. Now Martin's on to something. This. This is a questionable game right now. Uh, Colorado State doesn't look particularly tough. They, they just looked much worse than Idaho in losing at Washington State. Um, Colorado State also got their ass kicked by number eight Michigan, but hey, they're supposed to. One win came over Mid Middle Tennessee State, 34-19. to 19. Sacramento State offensively has been on point both games this season. There's no, there is no learning curve for, for Troy Taylor this year. Uh, 50, 56 points in week one for Sac State versus Utah Tech last week. 37 points against a solid Northern Iowa team. I'm still going to pick Colorado State just because, on average, Missouri Valley, sorry, uh, Mountain West teams should be picked over Big Sky teams. But I don't feel that great about this pick either, Martin. This to me, it doesn't have the Utah State losing to Weber 35 7 vibe, but. Colorado State lost to an FCS team last year in South Dakota State. Sacramento State is not that far off ranking-wise from South Dakota State. So Colorado State, but a lot more narrow than I think a lot of people expect. So this this is the hardest game of the week for me to predict because you know it's it's a group of five school. They should be favored. They should pummel just about any FCS school. However, there's two things that are, are going to make me pick Sacramento State in this game. First off, Colorado State sucks. If anybody's watched anything from that team, they are ass. Second, this is absolutely the game on their schedule they are going to overlook. They do not have a win this year. Half of their coaching staff and about a third of their players all went to the University of Nevada. They all came over with Jay Norvell when he got the job after they actually played in a bowl game against each other last year. Super weird situation. Who do they play after Sacramento State? I'm going to give you guys one guess. Nevada. They Nevada. play Nevada. So I, I'm picking Sac State. This absolutely feels like the emotional overlook slip up against the team you should beat while you're thinking about going back to, to your home to where half of these guys played last year. 
the game is in Nevada next week. So I'm going to go with Sac State because. So, hey, throw it to your another confounding thing for you. It's Sagarin based. Colorado State's one win came over uh, Middle Tennessee State. They're 103 and uh, Sagarin. Correction. They lost by two touchdowns to Middle Tennessee. Wait, hold up. Hold up. I need to redo this. I miss. I, thank you for that correction. I completely misread that. Sac State is ranked in Sagarin as comparable to middle Tennessee state. So thank you for that fact check. Sorry, dudes. I'm undoing my pick, man. Sac state. <laughs> no, like when I saw the win, cause I saw like a win against a relatively okay team. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, Hey, that's that. That's what will tide me over here. No, dude, you're, you guys are right. Colorado state sucks. Sacramento state is solid. Uh, this, this could be, this is another notch. Wouldn't it be sweet for the big sky to finish like two and five? against Mountain West teams this season with Idaho State picking up like all the losses. And maybe we'll get Idaho into the Mountain West at this rate. Ten years from now, let's talk. That's a whole other discussion for a whole other show. Let's keep rolling. We've got Weber State at UC Davis. Martin, going to kick it to you first. I'm going with the fighting Nick Webbers. Which, of course, means Weber State. Weber State, to me, is... They've put the entire FCS on notice. Their new offensive coordinator, Mikey Mantle, apparently is actually getting reins. <laughs> he has some free reins to actually do something at Weber, which Jay Hill has not let his OCs do that essentially his entire career. But, hey, they missed the playoffs last year, so I guess he learned something. Throw out the Western Oregon games. It's irrelevant. Weber State against Utah State scores 35. Follows it up with 44 against Utah Tech. Yeah, Utah Tech sucks, whatever. But that's two solid games in a row. To me, Weber State is a great example of why you should not pay attention to national polls. It's preposterous that Weber State is not like top four right now. They have their FCS games are as impressive as any their FCS FBS games are as impressive as anyone's worst case scenario. I'd easily take Weber State here. Absolutely. Got to take Weber State here. Uh, I know that Utah State, uh, especially Utah State's head coaches had a rough um a rough year a rough couple years actually um ended up that he's uh doing a big thing about mental health this weekend uh, his wife died of cancer his dad died shortly after that his son just committed suicide utah state was in a in a rough shape there but they got obliterated by weber state like 35 to 7 against a, a mountain west school is zero offensive gross. touchdowns yeah pretty Pretty gross there. Absolutely just shut the door right in Utah State's face. And Utah State won nine games last year. Utah State was a pretty good team last year. Honestly, we could be talking about Weber State winning this conference outright, uh, getting back to the the Weber trend of dominance. I I think Weber State rolls over UC Davis. Uh, So, second to last game, Cal Poly versus the bye week. Who you guys got? It's going to be closer than you'd guess, guys. Uh Cal Poly's freshman quarterback, Jane Jones, went down with injury. Spencer Brash looked okay, but Jane Jones is clearly better. No news on Cal Poly on Jane Jones's injury because it's Cal Poly and we never hear anything unless we decide it's deep dive time. But we we record three episodes a week here at Tubbs of the Club. There's only so many shitty deep dives we have, and we always save those for Northern Colorado. So it's going to be close. But honestly, I think Cal Poly is the only team in the conference that even would want a week one buy now. Martin, you said bye week. I heard it very, very gently behind Brian. Give me a reasoning. Why does the bye week beat Cal Poly? I'd... Just simple. It's the bye week. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm going to go with uh, a, a good solid tie between Cal Poly and the bye week. Uh, you can you can absolutely, lo- absolutely lose your bye week because Idaho has certainly done it more than a handful of times. Uh, Dominique Blackman rings a bell on that one. Uh, finally... The game we have all been waiting to talk about. This is why we saved it for last. It is the Super Bowl of the Big Sky. Maybe the super shitty bowl of the Big Sky. Idaho State at Northern Colorado for the game of the century. Martin, who are you taking? I feel like Brian's got a deep dive. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Northern Colorado. Well, look, you got the heavyweights. In Sagarin ratings... Idaho State comes in at 211, last in Big Sky. Northern Colorado, they were trying to stay in that bottom 200, but made a mistake. Ed McCaffrey started the right quarterback finally, and Northern Colorado picked up a narrow win over a very shitty Lamar team last week. So Northern Colorado, 
They're outside of that bottom 200 sitting at 194. You got to expect McCaffrey's going to do something about that pretty quick. But I, I think you got to go with Northern Colorado here. Already alluded to it, quarterback, new starting quarterback, Jacob Sermon. He has not been all big sky or something like that, but he's a significant upgrade for Northern Colorado over Dylan McCaffrey. Maybe that helps set up the rush game because Northern, Col- Northern Colorado cannot run on anyone. And Northern Colorado has played two very bad FCS teams that would be below Idaho State. In, in our if we if they if Lamar and Houston Baptist were in the big sky, they'd be below Idaho State in our power rate rankings. And Northern Colorado came away one and one in those games. But Idaho State, they can't run the football either. And since Tyler Vanderwall went down with the broken clavicles, he's out at least another five weeks. Well, Idaho State can't throw the ball either. Hunter Hayes is a less annoying version of Dylan McCaffrey in terms of overall production because he's a backup. You don't expect backups to be fantastic. He's young. But I just don't think – I think Charlie Regal is going to have a way bigger rebuild than Idaho has, you know, what we're used to. And Ed McCaffrey is a year ahead in terms of at least having some transfers come in that you can look at and squint and think, okay, well, I understand how that guy doesn't suck for once. So Northern Colorado I think is going to win – but I think this is going to be competitive. Like we Dallas is joking about, Hey, the super bowl, the big sky coming in September guys, this will, I think this will be a competitive game. I just think it'll be a great game. If you want to watch teams where someone has to win, but the other team doesn't know how. So like we eventually will land on someone leading at the end, Northern Colorado in my mind is who's going to do it. I think this could be a game that's worth watching at least. Yeah, what like worth watching, like watching two blindfolded MMA fighters try to go at each other. That's that's what this is going to feel like. Or maybe maybe not MMA fighters, maybe guys that watched MMA on YouTube and thought it was worth trying out. Maybe that's what this game is going to feel like. This is going to be a pretty ugly game between the two, absolutely the two worst teams in this conference. Uh, Northern Colorado, I guess the jury's out. Uh, Sermon might be able to make them crawl out of the top, the bottom two and maybe into the bottom three. Uh, got to go with Northern Colorado though. At least you know, when you talk about Northern Colorado, they at least have the McCaffreys. I know that the they're putting the Petrino nepotism game to shame, but they're at least the McCaffreys. Dad had a bunch of success in the NFL. Christian is not related to the NA or the NOCO team, but he's obviously one of the best players in the NFL. His two brothers that are involved with Northern Colorado are unfortunately not him, but what do you do? Idaho State's got nothing. I mean, they're in Pocatello, which is already a giant shithole. There's there's just nothing positive for Idaho State right now at three weeks into the the rebuild for for Charlie Raggle. So no co all the way. Guys, that that does it for picking the big sky. Uh just a quick yeah. update on Wait, our jump in. I just have oh. to keep our Northern Colorado deep dive going. Northern Colorado at least has a couple talented guys who you could understand if they were on your roster, they're not terrible. Elijah Dotson at running back is not contributing at all at what people thought he would three yards per rush, but he's been all big sky in the past. There's a, there's four receivers, including Dotson who's running back with, with 10 catches or more. There's the elements of the not worst team in the league on Northern Colorado. Those don't exist on Idaho state. Couldn't have said it better myself. That takes us to the end of Big Sky Pickums, guys. Uh, just so everyone's aware, Brian and I are both thirty and three. Martin is twenty-five and eight. Uh, but realistically, Martin, you're what one game off of us when you take out all of the times you've picked against Montana. So, it, not to toot our, ourselves on the back, but we all seem to know at least a little bit about the Big Sky. So it's going to be really interesting when we get four of these wrong. But until then, guys, we're your experts. That's that's what we're here for. Uh, any last points, guys, about NAU, about any of the games we just picked? Anything you guys want to get off your chests here at 9.42 p.m.? Yeah, well, this Big Sky Pick'em was brought to you by patreon.com backslash tubs at the club. Help us out, dude. Support the show. You sign up for your Patreon. We'll send, you'll get the one and only King Spud sticker sent to you once we cash Patreon check. Uh, or you can also buy the King Spud stickers on your own. One for three, two for five. Just just DM us on Twitter. We'll get that taken care of. Thank you uh, in the comment thread there, Martin. Uh, listeners will have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. But hey, look, we, we're doing three shows a week, guys. A pregame, a postgame, and covering the entire Big Sky. You want to support what we're doing, join the Patreon or DM us. If you want to make a one-time donation, we can make that happen. 
And I do want to, one of the things we don't advertise as much about our Patreon, um, Brian has become the world's biggest Vandal insider and often has news to break for people in the Patreon that we just don't talk about here on the show because it's just not something that we, we, we discuss too much publicly. So if you're interested in getting to know even a little bit more about Vandal football, our Patreon is the place to do it. But with that, uh, thank you guys for another great episode. If you've been watching us live on YouTube, we thank you. Uh, love getting to interact with you guys in the comments. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or the YouTube replay or anywhere else you could get your services, well, hey, I'm not going to complain about you checking our, our stuff out. So thank you very much for your time. I'm going to let producer seducer Martin Heemstra pick a random outro that's either going to make me look really funny or really stupid. So Martin... The, the Picasso of outros, you mean? Yes, excuse me.